Hey everyone, Todd here with a special bonus episode for you. Uh, last Saturday, our women's ministry welcomed Leah Everson, who spoke on the crucial importance of rest, uh, not just for having a healthy life, but for our relationship with God and the pursuit of our own individual life's call. Uh, I had the privilege of overhearing her teaching uh, from the soundboard, and it was just too good not to share. So uh, take a moment to listen, and I hope you like it. So I, let's see, going back, when I was eight years old, way back in third grade, a parent from my third grade class came in and did one of those surveys of the students and said, you know, you're most likely to be president of the United States, you're most likely to be a pro basketball player. And for me, when they came in and said me, they said she is the hardest worker in this class. And I would have preferred to have been the best dressed, but that was what I received that day. And it's true, I'm a hard worker, and I have been. Between going to finishing college in three and a half years, I went to Denver Seminary, and I finished that in three and a half years, which in the MDiv program typically can take any people four to six, eight, however long they need. Um, I work hard. I work hard. And when my son was born the day after I finished my final assignment for Denver Seminary, I was tired. And then I got the job at SCUM and I worked there and I worked from home a lot. I was able to meet with people, with my son, with me. So I was working 15 to 18 hours a week as a mom and pregnant with my second and I was experiencing burnout just a general sense of I'm too tired to keep going. Um, and that is when God started speaking this message of soul care, self-care to me. Self-care is soul care. Um, I saw a few years ago a meme on Facebook, and it was something like this. I'm going to bed, a, a wife says to her husband. And she you know, picks up the kitchen, cleans up the laundry, anything that's in her path she takes care of on her way to bed. The husband says, I'm going to bed, and he goes to bed, right? We, I feel and I find that women don't know how to take care of themselves because there's so many people, children, others, who depend on us. And that's not bad. I don't think it's bad that our kids rely on us. What I do find is that we don't know how to stop. We don't have permission and don't give ourselves permission that I think God is calling us to, to stop, to rest, to take care of ourselves. Um, I'm not going to go through the, all of my slides today, but a U, the U of M did a study that was showing that moms are more stressed than dads in general. They have something called mental fatigue, just keeping all of everything in their heads all the time. Um, we tend to take care of our kids more individually. They wake us up at 3 in the morning every single night when they have allergies, like I had last week. Um, they take, they rely on us. And we need to take responsibility for receiving the rest God has for us. Um, as a society, I'm just making sure this is working. As a society, um, we don't take vacations. And people who work tend to work on vacations, taking laptops and computers. 61% of Americans work while they're on vacation. And I thought this was fascinating. The average employee actually works for free $504 worth of work for free because they don't take their vacation days. So think about that. You're given, I don't know, two, three weeks. You don't take a week of vacation. You lose that vacation each, week, each year, and you're working that instead. 
we're losing financially because of this. And we're we don't have Sabbath rest in our society, right? The grocery store is open on Sunday. We can still work on Sunday. There are very few companies that allow their employees a full weekend off, even. Um, and there are neuroscientists and doctors who are saying this is bad for us. This nonstop work is bad for us. Dr. Matthew Sleeth said that when we're working like this, the hormones like adrenaline and cortisone and steroids are being pumped into our bloodstream and causing illnesses that we're probably not even aware of that are happening because of our levels of stress. Not only that, but there is a significant rise in mental health crisis in the United States of America. Women tend to struggle with higher rates of depression and anxiety than men. We have seen a 50% increase of rates of depression, um, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. One in four adults will experience it in some form in their lives. And 39% of mothers these days experience it before their firstborn is 12 years old. This is a significant issue, and I believe part of it is our emphasis on work, which in one hand is really good, but we don't know how to stop working. This week I went to the funeral of my sister's father-in-law who took his life two weeks ago. This is very near to me. It was the fourth suicide in our close like family in four years. Something has to change. A lot of it was driven by work. Something has to change. And I believe God is offering us a solution to this problem, this epidemic. I believe he sees our needs. He knows us better than we do. He knows that we run out of energy. He knows that we are finite, that we are made to sleep seven to nine hours a night, that we need food, we need nourishment for our bodies. And when he um, you know, created the world, he set a rhythm of rest by creating the Sabbath. So I'll talk about the Sabbath a lot, but first I wanted to turn to 1 Kings 19, and this is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and it's kind of a strange spot. It's right after Elijah was up on Mount Carmel. You know this story where he, he's up and he's speaking to the prophets of Baal, and they both have altars to their gods, the Baal, Baal altar and Yahweh, and the prophets are trying to call down fires from, from their god to light the to light their altar, and it's not happening. It doesn't happen. And Elijah says, here, soak my altar with water. And they pour buckets and buckets of water so it's saturated with water. And he calls down fire from heaven, and Yahweh sends the fire, and it bursts into flames and consumes the entire altar. And he has victory over them. And um, in those days, the victory looked like he killed a bunch of the prophets. And Queen Jezebel heard about this, and she said to him, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. And Elijah had just experienced, he had worked hard, I'm assuming, and it took a lot of energy. He experienced God's power, he experienced so much, and at verse three of chapter 19, it says, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. 
I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once, an angel of the Lord touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Then he went into the, a cave and spent the night. I have heard this story before and people have shamed Elijah. How could he doubt? How could he say these things? But I see that the angel of the Lord came to him. The Lord came to him and did not say that. He said, this is too much for you. Take and eat. Throughout scripture, the rest is a theme and provision is a theme. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. And with the law, God set up from the beginning, you must not do any work at all one day a week. You must stop, you must cease. This is my gift to you. I recognize that self-care as a spiritual practice sounds kind of hokey. It sounds self-centered. But if we redefine spiritual practices not as something that we must do as a to-do list, I must read my Bible, I must pray, I must do these things, and see this is a way to connect with God and be filled with the Holy Spirit, that this is a way to meet him and be provided for by him, we will see that this is actually powerful and we are no longer drained of energy but filled again in order to be able to continue to do work. So in other words, it's not for ourselves that we practice this. It is so that we can serve others. Um, there's a book called The Spiritual Disciplines Handbook that I love. And in this book, Adele Albert Calhoun says, as we practice self-care, we intentionally receive ourselves as God's own beloved. We rece receiving this love into our bodies births the ability to give love and forgiveness to ourselves and others. Jesus called us away from pharisaical legalistic practices of worship. <laughs> there were so many rules around Sabbath keeping back then. Did you know that you couldn't wear a wig on the Sabbath? You couldn't have dentures on the Sabbath. You couldn't pick up and carry an object down the street more than a few steps before you'd have to put it down again. I mean, it was just ridiculous. And Jesus said to me, instead, in the face of the Pharisees, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I'm sure you've heard this verse before. And he said, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. This is a pra these practices are things that I have done for years now. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit more about who I am now in a little bit, but we are not supposed to do all of this at once, so I'm gonna offer some suggestions. If anything sticks out to you, make a note, think about it. Um, 
I just wanted to offer some suggestions because how does this practically look? We have a lot of demands on our lives. I've got two kids, I work at their elementary school. We're tired, I'm tired. So one thing we can do is keep Sabbath, to stop working. Um, it says you must not do any work at all. What would it be like for you to leave the dishes by the sink one day a week? For some that's really hard, that's challenging. What might God tell you about yourself and your relationship with him that that's a hard thing for you to do? What might he reveal to you about yourself and your work and what it's doing to you mentally and emotionally? No emails, no phones, no social media, putting everything down one day a week in order to connect with God that day. Doing something that makes you feel like yourself again. You know, I have a friend who went on bike rides every Sabbath, and he just had that time of prayer and connection while he's riding his bike. These are different than what we're used to seeing as ways to connect with God, right? But we're at the root of the word for Sabbath is to stop. We're supposed to stop doing for once. Stop. Can we do that? If it's too hard to take a whole day, I completely understand. <laughs> I struggle with that. Another idea is to make sure you're getting rest. Entering into rest depends on honoring our God-given limits. By paying attention to the physical, mental, and spiritual needs of the body, we learn when and how to rest. So go to bed on time. Turn off the TV. I'll have more on that in a minute. Take your vacation days and sick days. Do all those things that you can do to rest. Build it into your routine. It's another way to do it. Take naps. If you have kids at home, take a nap with your kids. <laughs> or, you know, not with them. Healthy <laughs> space, right? <laughs> um, something else, get professional support. Go to your appointments. Go, I, this is embarrassing. When my kids were little, I went five years without a dentist appointment. It was bad. I didn't know when I could find the time. And so I had cavities. I had to get a root canal. It was not good. Take, like I said, I don't stop. I didn't stop. Taking care of your body, I don't mean dieting and exercise, but I do mean moving a little, getting yourself so that you're in a healthy state. I'm not talking about beach body diets and things that are so popular today, but can we be more healthy? See a therapist or counselor. This is one of the hardest things to do the first day you go, <laughs> but it is one of the most life-giving things. I call these also support groups. I'm so, like, you all are here. I just want to say, you're already doing it. You're getting together. Um, but who are your people? Who are your people in your life who are going to check in with you, make sure that you are okay, make sure that you are being cared for in the midst of everything? And we do this for each other. I met a woman at um, the funeral on Thursday who, she had, was dealing with cancer a year ago. And she said, it's been so amazing to be able to care for Michelle, the widow, after receiving all of this care. Now I get to care for her. And we rely on each other this way, right? We need each other, and so we can care for each other. And that is a form of self-care, being connected to each other. It is a way to take care of ourselves rather than isolating. So I know that you're here, so this is preaching to you, preaching to the choir, right? And unplugging in our society, screens and stress is causing sleep disorders, 
Um, there have been studies that show that the rate of commercials and the rate of television is so fast, it's really highly stimulating, so people don't sleep after they're watching TV. Um, there's a whole bunch of things to do with relating to screens, and I don't know how much that is for you, um, but for many people, there's an addiction to screens and you can't put them down at night. But what would it look like to have time away? Maybe a day at a time, or you know, saying at eight o'clock, I'm gonna turn it off, and you know, take some time to connect with God. What gets in the way of our self-care? I think it's countercultural. I mean, you see people going to the nail salon, beauty parlor, and things, and we talk about that as self-care, but true self-care, to stop what you're doing, stop working, that is countercultural. It is God's way of living. It is God's way when we say we're having one day a week, we are not going to work. This goes against the mainstream, so that we can have communion with God and others. It pushes against the pressure to be perfect and have it all together, to appear that we are doing everything. Those appearances are strong and powerful. We can feel good about ourselves when we look good about, you know, and we look good when we're busy <laughs> in our society. This is not a selfish thing because when we are filled up, then we can also give more to others. I truly believe this, but we need to be okay with stopping. Finally, I think there is a fear. I think there is fear that if we don't stop working, we won't be okay. I think especially related to paychecks and our jobs, we're afraid we're going to lose our jobs if we stop. If we say no to our bosses, I am going to be with my family now. Will that be okay? Will we be okay if we stop working? But the fruit of this is great. We can develop trust in God for things that are left undone. Saying, trusting, I am going to be okay even though I have a basket of laundry that needs to be put away. I am going to be okay with these dishes on the counter. Maybe just don't go in the room <laughs> if you need to. Maybe that's your discipline. We can learn to live within our limits, that we are human. God is God. We are not. Trusting him to do the things that need to be done. We can have deep awareness of God's love for us when we sit on the couch with a book and say, God, I receive your love in this moment. And there's so many other things, but most of all, I think there's unity with God and his love is primary. If we can say, God, I receive your care for me in this by sitting here right now with you. I am just with you. That in itself is powerful. I was going to give you a kind of an overall picture <laughs> of who I am today, but let me just tell you about last week. So two weeks ago was when um, Chris took his life I found out on our way driving into Wisconsin, uh, where my in-laws live, and that night, I hit a deer driving in Wisconsin. <laughs> There's so many deer in Wisconsin. <laughs> um, developed headaches on and off for the following week. Um, it was just dealing with the pain and stress. And where I work at school is high needs group of kids. I'm working with kids with social and emotional behavioral disorders. They um, are dealing with trauma in their own lives and at home. 
Um, and I have a history of working with people with trauma at Scum of the Earth in Denver. And I have developed over the years something called compassion fatigue or secondary trauma. And that was very triggered a week ago. I was tired, I was anxious, I was depressed, or just you know felt myself descending, right? And my son was waking me up every single night because his eyes were itching and his nose was itching. And I came to Thursday night and I was like, I don't know if I can go to work tomorrow. I don't know if I can keep at this job. I don't know if I can do this anymore. And he, Ben woke me up again at three o'clock in the morning, Thursday night, and that night I couldn't call my mind, right? Like I just, everything was going through my head. I was thinking about a boy who had just screamed at me the day before and told me he hated himself, hate, wanted, if, he, if I didn't stop talking to him, he would kill himself. Like this trauma going through my head, and I couldn't stop, and I finally was like, I need to take a mental health day. I need to stop and take care of myself. So I, at 4.30 in the morning, sent in my sick notice, um, sent an email to my team, made sure they had all my sub plans. Um, and I don't think they, no, they did end up getting a sub. That doesn't always happen. But I, that day, I just sat, and I sat with Jesus, and I don't remember what I did. I honestly don't remember. I just know I was with Jesus. I think I read some of the Bible. I slept for two hours. I rested. And this week has been strong. I mean, I just believe this is the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, I am in the school. I am having kids telling me they hate me. I am dealing with these big behaviors. And I have been able to say, I'm okay. I am not feeling triggered. This is powerful. God meets us when we choose to stop, rest in him, take care of ourselves and our bodies. And I see it in people around me, people who have been following. I've heard it from people, I, just, I talk about this a lot, let me just say that. I talk about this a lot on my social media and my, my blog and things. I have been there. I've been there. And, um, so if you want to like have continuing conversations, if you're on Instagram, Facebook, or just see my website, I'm gonna be I'm working on this little booklet that I'm gonna be giving away to people who sign up for my newsletter. So if you're wanting to hear more of my story, I would love to share this with you. But, or, not, or we can just chat right afterwards, but I've been there. I know what it's like to be burnt out and discouraged. I just want you to know that God is here for you. So let's pray together. Abba, Father, we belong to you. We belong to you. You are the one who cares for our souls, who restores our souls. Lord God, I pray that we would receive the invitation to stop and to rest, that we would learn how to do this, to have this discipline in our lives. I am still learning, Jesus. I'm so grateful for your care of me. And I pray for my sisters and the brothers in this room that they would hear how much you love them too. That they would know they are of greater worth than their work. They are of greater worth than they can even imagine. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. 
We're an evangelical covenant church outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin, and you can find out more about us at BethelCov.org.